Hi, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of Captivated Audience. Really excited today to introduce a new friend of mine in the financial crime prevention community. So let's start off and have you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Eric Morgan. I am head of global due diligence at RBC Investor Services, and I'm based in London. So could you tell us a little bit about Eric, what your company does? Yeah, so we are an asset services custodian payments and market services company of RBC. RBC is the largest bank in Canada, the Royal Bank of Canada. Uh, we are Investor Services, which is a um, business line under or a unit underneath RBC. We operate in 12 jurisdictions globally and have about four and a half thousand employees worldwide. You sort of have a what we would call a globally cosmopolitan working situation, don't you? In fact, you're the only one who's in London as part of your team. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So my team is based across the globe. I have a um, couple team members in Asia and Hong Kong and in Sydney. I also have a team in Toronto, in Dublin and in Luxembourg. And from those various centers of excellence, we call them, the business that I manage is run and operated. Oh, wow. So you are covering a lot of jurisdictions and time zones. I can imagine that can be quite the challenge or not, because you might have succeeded in real good communications or using available tools and technology that the rest of us might just now have been discovering due to the Corona situation and of course, working from home. So how do you manage it? So I've been very fortunate. First of all, I've been managing international teams for 10 plus years. The organizations for which I worked and RBC in particular have excellent infrastructure to allow us to undertake working from home or remote working with teams, etc. So, and that's not just the infrastructure, there's also the training and the support aligned to that. So the combination of the experience, the time frame that I've been doing this, also the infrastructure and support given by the organizations makes it relatively straightforward. Like any team management situation, it's not easy. There are challenges and, and things come up that have to be dealt with. However, the, the working from home on this scale has never been presented before. So we have in all of the organizations I've worked in had an element of working from home, usually as a function of a business continuity plan. However, with the coronavirus, it's doubled down on on what's required in that space. And so right now we have the whole team globally working from home. And that, that is very new. However, because of the infrastructure and the support provided by the organization, um, that part of it hasn't proved as challenging as other parts. And the other parts are, are kind of um, the silly things that you don't think about, but end up monopolizing a large part of your time. Eric, we heard yesterday, which was the 24th of March here in the UK, that we're now subject to even more restrictions in terms of small group, group gatherings. FCA's put out a notice about essential workers. Just curious to know, because I'm sure you have family back home in the U.S., what are they dealing with on their side? Yeah, um, pretty much the same. They're, they're having to work from home and figure out what they can do when working from home. It's a relatively new concept for a lot of them, my family. And so they aren't really used to that. Um, my mom, though, is retired, so 
for her, it, it's no impact from that standpoint. And I think she's becoming an increasing recluse. So this has offered a great excuse for not socializing, which I think my mom really enjoys <laughs> having that excuse. <laughs> Oh, well, that's brilliant. So used to work from home, uh, not being used to restrictions. I'm sure you are familiar with the term cabin fever. It is, it's, a, it's a common expression here in Sweden as well. So I think it's kind of funny that the Canadian and the Swedish person on, uh, on this call, you know, can really relate to that. I'm just wondering, working from home, but also with the restrictions, how do you deal with the cabin fever situation or aren't you affected at all? Oh, no, I think there's definitely staring at the, the series of the four walls for a period of time does cause that. Um, I think, interestingly enough, it's kind of magnified by the internet going down. When the internet's up and working, um, box sets seem to be a very good anecdote to a very good medicine to cabin fever. And it's easy to sit down and get lost in a number of shows that help you forget what's going on in that. I think where it becomes a bit more interesting from my standpoint is, and, and this was one of the unintended things that has been happening, the kids are not attending school and we have all of the iPads and all of our computers, which are, and I don't know why we have so many, but probably about six of them going all at the same time. And so we, um, the internet's falling over a lot for us and, and it, it's causing a lot of disruption in meetings and also a lot of disruption in the kids trying to get their classwork done. And then to the point you were asking about cabin fever and in the end of the evening when we're trying to relax, it seems to fall over when we're all sitting around trying to watch a movie. And I think that's when the cabin fever really kind of kicks in and everyone gets a bit agitated. It's for the most part going well, but it's week one. So I, <laughs> I, I don't want to make too much of this because it's not like we've been doing this for 10 weeks. I don't know really what will happen at the end of, say, eight or 10 weeks. It'll be yeah, interesting. No. You're on week four, exactly. I am on week four, yes, exactly. So yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's a really interesting observation when you say it's week one, because more broadly, I know Eric, we've talked in the past about risk and using technology around compliance. And my concern is people will do okay the first week and then the stress will set in about not being able to speak to people properly, interact with people properly. And that'll have an effect on people's attentiveness to their tasks, the things they need to do for compliance. I'm not sure how technology might be able to help us or maybe as a looking to the future, how we could use technology better to mitigate the kind of human risk that comes with a situation like this. So I'm, I'm thinking more around AML compliance and the controls we use and stuff. Have you had to think more broadly about maybe how we could have prepared better technologically to make sure AML controls can still be just as robust? I have given some thought to this, but I'm not sure we could have prepared, to be honest, because I think if you were in an organization and you sketched out, I want to ramp up business business continuity to this level because I think we're about to go into a potential worldwide pandemic and everything will be shut down, including your ability to leave the house. I'm not sure how seriously people would have taken you. Now, you know, that, that may not be the case going forward, but I, I think this is extreme. While organizations were prepared for issues, I'm not sure they were prepared for something on this scale because it is absolutely massive. Now, saying that, I've been very impressed with our ability to invoke our business continuity and, and continue to keep the lights on and, and the financial elements that we're managing moving forward. 
But I have thought a lot about control because as you know, when, when panic strikes, be it the financial crisis 10 years plus ago or, or you know, the terrorist attack, the turn of the century, I, I think you need to be a bit careful because what's happening around us starts to overtake the, the day-to-day work that we're doing. And, and that's important. And the controls around the work we're doing is important. And it, and it can get lost. And if it gets lost, we, we run some very serious risks. What about the right now? So sometimes feel like second line of defense is always looking backwards as part of its reviews. At some point in the future, our compliance reviews and our audit functions are all going to look back to this time and they're going to be assessing how effective we were. What sort of things do you think we need to be thinking about now? So one thing that I've tried to do with my team is I've tried to, and I don't know if this will end up answering your question. So let me first start with that. Um, because I've gone through a number of the financial crisis, uh, the, the Twin Towers, whatever it's been, I've been in the, the financial industry during a number of significant events, and each one resonates differently in the organizations and in the industry, to be fair. But one thing that I think, if there's a thread that I would say that's that's critically important, and, and I think the basis, if you will, of business continuity, it's to make sure that the, the normal day-to-day activities are covered and that they're done and completed and appropriately controlled. And, and that is kind of the reason to have a business continuity plan. And I manage my teams in the same way. So we don't spend a lot of time. Well, first of all, we only have one extra meeting a week from the basic meetings that we have. We don't have a meeting every single day talking about some, you know, the crisis and kind of building up the tension. We, I try to keep the team as grounded as possible and focused on the normal stuff, the boring stuff. Because what tends to go wrong is in the boring space. It's not the excitement of, oh, look what's happening over there, look what's happening here. It tends to be the payment that was missed or, or something minor that, oh, well, that happens all the time, let's not worry about it. And that's what I want the team focusing on. So I've I've intentionally and willfully structured the team in exactly the same way it was structured before. It's, we, we don't have extra meetings. We don't necessarily have an extra agenda item. Saying that, I, I have asked them to give me a daily written update on any issues and any, it's called Confluence, it's like a SharePoint site, but we basically have a running blog um, where they update a template that I've created and aptly named, you know, coronavirus. Uh, so that we could review what's happening on a daily basis. But other than that daily update, which should only take them 10 to 15 minutes, and then I review for any themes or any issues, I don't want them thinking a lot about this. I want them to get on with stuff and and think about their job as they should be doing and normally are doing and, and doing quite well. So I'm consciously making a very concerted effort to keep us collectively as grounded as possible. Well, I think that's really, really good because you are maintaining a sort of normal in this uh, very hectic and, and, and strange time. So it's actually sounding like it's business as usual with a few amendments. We do know that the criminals are maintaining their status as well. It's business as usual for them as well. Have you um, spotted any new kind of trends or methods or schemes? 
I haven't. And to the point that Sam was asking earlier, I am thinking about this a lot because I don't think it is business as usual. And maybe it's my paranoid nature, but I don't think it is business as usual for the criminals. I think this is a big opportunity. And I think that what they're trying to do is figure out how do we use the chaos and the confusion to our best advantage. And that's one of the reasons I'm really pushing my teams to BBAU, to focus on that. That's not to say blinders on, not be aware, but really make sure that we're keeping as close an eye on what's happening as we were before, and maybe even slightly more so, just to, to make sure we understand all the transactions and activities that are happening. And that's that's a difficult thing to do when you see the markets behaving like you. Yeah, the markets have been extreme. And and when any time that happens, what you know, what is a red flag? <laughs> when you're dealing with funds and, and their investment strategy in some instances might be completely inappropriate for what's happening. So you could understand why they're bailing out of something. But it, it's still we're discussing those types of things. Um, and trying to figure out where we should be looking and how we should be focused as a, as a, frankly, we have to keep the lights on. We still have regulatory reviews and compliance reviews. So there is a lot going on that's not stopping just because the, the virus is doing its best to stop everyone. It's still moving forward. And so we're trying to continue that in the organization and make sure that we're supporting each other and, and doing it the best way we can. Mm. One thing you said that struck a little bit of a nerve to me, and that was actually when you, you talked about the different behaviors now, you see your, your customers or your clients, they step out of their normal pattern, they step out of what they normally do, and they, they drop or they buy or whatever. This is an excellent time, I would say, for people applying machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to learn how customers can quickly change their behavior. Yeah, I think you're I think you're exactly right. I think there is that opportunity, but we have to we have to recognize it first because, you know, until we actually get to the point that AI is AI, right now it's just a massive data dump that's capturing everything that we can possibly imagine. I think once the self-learning starts happening, that will be really interesting to see because I'm I'm not sure we collectively as human beings are always that good at identifying those changes because Overt, we seem to focus on, and it's usually the subtle change, that, that the big deal. And right now, it's easy to see, you know, a 40% shift in a market. But is that, is the selling off and the way it's being sold off and, and the recipient or where the funds are coming from or going to, are we focusing on that or is that being lost? And one thing I've noticed that's interesting is the banks have been really concentrated on business continuity since 9-11 and, and before that, but especially since 9-11. And I'm not sure the regulators have been. And, and I think we need to be a bit delicate with this because the regulators have been very interested in how the banks are approaching it, but I'm not sure they've thought about it themselves. And the reason I say that is, well, there, there was one in particular, a regulatory review that was supposed to happen with one of the regulators. And it ended up not happening because they couldn't get their video conferencing to work. And, and so I, I found that a bit ironic, but, you know, also very interesting. And so I, I wonder how prepared are we? And maybe that's where AI can help us. If there's one positive you could see coming out of this, what would you say it could be? 
It's interesting because I, I think there are different positives. So collectively as an organization, I think what I like to see, and hopefully it will continue, I, I see the pulling together, the camaraderie, the the helping each other out. I see that as really, really positive. And, and for the most part, the recognition of what the real issue is, not, not the general fiefdom or, or minor stuff that's blown, the tempest in the teacups that are blown out of proportion. I think people are doing a really good job of keeping a good, wholesome perspective. For me personally, at times frustrating as it is, I think spending this much time with my family is cool. From a very selfish standpoint, I, I like my family. I like hanging out with them, although it can be annoying and I'm sure they feel the same way about me. Um, I, I think it's fantastic to be able to spend so much time with them under so many varied situations because usually we're on holiday and we're spending time together or or something's happening and we're doing that activity and this is kind of day to day so this is the eight hours that they're normally in school that I don't see or the time that I'm at work that they don't see and so that's good I, I've enjoyed that and then another thing that I think is positive is um, the environment I mean the the benefits to the environment and and hopefully there's they're sustainable or we can figure out ways that when we go back to BAU or normal what our new normal will be that that can be positive and beneficial and and sustainable on that note on behalf of maria and myself eric thank you so much for making the time so close to dinner time to speak with us today no worries it's been great thank you and that's it for this podcast of captivated audience if you have any ideas or topics you'd like us to cover or if you'd like to participate as a speaker reach out to us on linkedin thanks again for listening and stay safe Some changes, baby.